0: Welcome, everybody, to the Silicon Sasquatch Podcast, Episode 17. I am Aaron Thayer, and joining me this uh, this recording are our stalwart contributors and editors. We have Nick Cummings. Hello. Uh, Tyler Martin. Good morning. Spencer Tordoff.
1: That's me.
0: And Britt McGinnis. Konnichiwa. <laughs> so today we are discussing um on the the day of the PlayStation Four launch and next week's Xbox one launch and a recent episode of South Park um lampooning these launches and the the fanboyism as it were around uh these next gen consoles we're sitting here and talking about. Perhaps some of the ideas behind fanboyism. Does it still exist? Do we care? Uh, the aspect of even perhaps consumer culture with Black Friday coming up and the the run on these popular electronics. Uh, just kind of dissecting how it affects gamers these days and what we're seeing, perhaps compared to co- uh, previous console launches like last generation or even the Nintendo uh, Nintendo don't era of Sega and Nintendo. Launches. So, to start us off, uh, Nick, how are you feeling about these console launches? And do you consider yourself a fanboy for either one?
2: Uh, well, we talked about this a bit on the site, but you guys all know that I had considered both consoles when they were, you know, officially unveiled and detailed at E3 this year. Pre-ordered a PS4 and actually canceled that pre-order a couple weeks ago. Uh, in other words, I have no um, no horse in this race. Uh, as for the whole cultural thing, though. It's been kind of funny for me to, from my limited point of view, follow this launch because I remember as a kid lining up to get an N64 when that came out on, in 1996, and that was you know a long time ago, but I wondered you know, what kind of person goes and lines up at a GameStop Game or something like that in the middle of the night these days, and I have a bunch of Facebook friends who did, but they're not people I really consider to be gamers, really. They're, they're kind of like the Madden, Call of Duty, um, Uncharted types, you know, play a few games, but that's about it. So you
3: lined up for a 64. Yeah. Good man. Me too. Wow. That's fascinating because I was just thinking about like what my first memory is of a console launch. Like I didn't really get into gaming until the SNES and the Genesis were already kind of stable as platforms and had plenty of software. But I remember like being more active in the community when the the 64 came out and the PlayStation was kind of a unknown quantity so it never really crossed my radar until later on. Thinking back to like walking in a blockbuster to rent like Donkey Kong Country Three or something and seeing the the four Nintendo sixty four uh launch titles on the shelves, just thinking like who's spending three hundred dollars for four games? Like it just seemed like such an asinine proposition for me at the time.
0: Dude I mean, saying video store rental to begin with kind of dates us here. So we're all in our (laughs) like mid to late twenties, so When the console Nick's talking about, the 64 came out, um, I was the same way. I I didn't exactly wait in line, but I remember my parents going to Toys R Us, you know, when you used to hand them the paper tickets to that little kiosk that had the the class. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd get your pre order, hand them the tickets, all of that. You know, we were what, uh, 10, 11, 12 ish at that time. Of course, we're going to be excited about the console. So do we think that that's just. a a feature that excitement that lining up was a bigger thing or we were just like with rose-colored glasses thinking that way because we were children does anybody seem to have that fanboyism now about this current launch
3: I don't think that that was that was ever even a thing that crossed my mind probably until like the late 90s like I didn't actually get a game at launch probably until it was probably like a Final Fantasy or a Zelda game at some point, and I probably pre-ordered it. But for my parents, like, we're talking about a generation where when you bought a TV, like, that was your TV for, for years, years and years and years. So the idea of saying, like, this thing that I bought, like, five years ago is now, like, old, and I have to replace it with a new thing that does different things, like, that was kind of a strange proposition for them, especially when it was kind of a, $300 $300 in investment at least.
4: That's actually pretty close to my experience as well. I mean, the I've never really fangirled that about much when I was little, but then again, nothing's really marketed toward me, so there was inherently less of a community around stuff same safe kingdom hearts which was a huge exception. I most of the kingdom hearts fans I knew were women. But again, like I didn't even really connect to them because I didn't have a preference for Kingdom Hearts. So I think if if you're not treated as someone whose money they want, there's less of a place to fangirl about. But of course, I mean, with the internet in adulthood, there's definitely room to do that now. And I think we're just living in a better time and place to fangirl about things.
0: That's an interesting fact that you mentioned that it really isn't marketed or the older consoles weren't marketed to the female audience unless you already liked those shooters or yeah. hey my
3: sister totally had a pony game for
0: Genesis.
4: Which <laughs> was not awesome. like
0: the launch <laughs> seller, right?
4: I actually played a game with myself watching commercials for the newest generation consoles. How many women are they mm-hmm. gonna feature <laughs> the only, I seriously, the only one I saw for an Xbox One release game was for Call of Duty Ghosts, and that was the sexy sniper who one of the Megan <laughs> players Fox. flirted with. Oh, yeah, really? pretty much. Jesus. But, yeah. but, I mean, Sony impressed me a little bit more. They had some women in a crowd of shooters, but that was A for a giveaway, so that wasn't even part of a main game lineup. But even within that, it's like, okay, one or two... Sort of women players in the crowd, but they looked very differently. It's so like, okay, so you don't just want the Megan Fox player; you want the nerdy player, nerd girl player. So that's better, but they still didn't say anything.
2: One thing that uh, Britt touched on that um, I think actually really is is worth discussing is um, this notion of like community and like a game being like marketed or reaching out towards a group of people. And I think that uh, for me as a kid, and especially as a teenager, when I would go to, like, I went to a few Midnight releases for, like, oh, God, Halo 2. That was a mistake. <laughs> nice.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, college. Just for, like, the fun of, like, yeah, going out with some friends and, like, maybe having a beer before or after or if you're sneaky during waiting for the game. <laughs> and uh, kind of having that moment to talk about, oh, yeah, man, I love it when you when you throw a plasma grenade and then, like, the guy blows <laughs> up. Yeah, it's great. And you talk about that for three hours. Um back before the internet and gaming discussion on the internet was really a huge thing and like to be fair it has been growing a lot even since the mid-2000s uh it was a great place to find that community like when you rush out to buy i remember buying diablo 2 when it came out and like i was pretty young but like everybody at the GameStop i was at was super psyched to be playing it we were all talking about like our builds in the first game and how like what we were going to roll first for characters so i wonder if part of the appeal of these launches is dissipating the more that we take to like online communities that better represent the people we want to interact with when we talk about these
3: games do you guys remember the first midnight launch you went to
4: never went to one I, they weren't for me and my parents probably wouldn't have let me honestly
3: it was
2: probably halo
1: 3 for me uh for me it was burning crusade and it was like <laughs> 30 below at the time oh. so that was a miserable experience uh the wii
3: wow i predate all you guys <laughs> soul Calibur 2 that game was oh, so worth a midnight release. Been, Hot damn. That would
4: have been such a fun one. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. That game was great. Got that GameCube version so I could play as Link. And uh, Hell yeah, you did. Link was OP. <laughs> I only got to play it for like 30 minutes or an hour because it was a school night, so I couldn't <laughs> stay Aww. up that late. But uh, yeah, me and my friends, we definitely played the shitload of that game that weekend. Hey, Tyler. Yeah.
2: Does the soul still burn? <laughs>
3: <laughs> unfortunately i just tried uh the beta release of the single player only free-to-play soul caliber game that's being released in japan oh, oh no. it burns that sounds oh, that yes. sounds wretched it's not great oh no so the the, the flame is more of an ember now <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> do any of you feel that uh you would go to a midnight release not even the consoles now PlayStation's obviously out um and We've already talked about how none of us are getting any of these consoles right at launch, but (laughs) are there any games or is there that culture that you talked about, Nick, that used to be, hey, I'm going to talk with a bunch of gamers about this cool thing we all enjoy that maybe has been displaced by the online uh, focus on community. But do any of you want or ever think you'll go to another midnight release of any sort of thing, hardware or software?
3: Not anymore. I mean, watching the launch event for this, like, so much of it is being streamed, and I enjoyed, like, watching people tweeting about standing in line and waiting and seeing this stuff going on, <laughs> but then when people were talking about, yeah, I've been in line for seven hours, and it's really cold outside, yeah. I was like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to do that.
4: I just feel too practical about it. I'm like, <laughs> well, I gotta get that time off work, and oh, I got should I get cash, or should I get credit? I gotta get blankets. Like, that's the whole reason I, I'm holding off from buying a console. It's that nothing, nothing is enticing me enough to spend that much money on it.
3: You're in the states. Who's buying it with cash? What are you like buying it like down a back alleyway off of Craigslist? Or something?
4: <laughs> well, no, no, because it's a quicker transaction. See, I'm polite. I try to think about the people behind me. You jerk. <laughs> what? Do you oh, no, I'm all with... about
3: those reward I got... points. Yeah. No, Screw no. Those do you pay for, pay,
4: for, pay for it with five cards? don't max out every
3: payment
0: yeah sorry i have a 200 hundred dollar limit on my credit card i, I can't buy the <laughs> xbox on it yeah, uh, pretty much. I i i don't know about well spencer did you have something to add to this would you actually do any of the midnight releases
1: here's the thing is that like burning crusade was kind of a a weird one for me because blizzard had not at that point really embraced online distribution
3: yeah did you get the special edition
1: i didn't get the fucking i think like the one like i think i got the special edition mass effect 3 and that's the only one i can remember getting in the past decade oh no like i i'm really just not enticed i'm so
3: glad i didn't end up buying that you
1: missed out on some cool pets bro (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess i did
3: he got a robo dog
1: (laughs) boy that is so worth it anyway in my case i've kind of been over midnight releases since Half-Life 2, when it was just waiting for the files to unlock <laughs> on my computer. I mean, my my go-to example has been, like, the Ents in Lord of the Rings, which is my <laughs> my add-in to the South Park end- episode, where it's like, oh, another generation of consoles, and then I download something from Steam, or, you know, use an old image file that I have of, like, Elvis Centauri. <laughs> I just don't care that much. At this point, uh, my core group for gaming is already locked in. And if I really want to encounter other people and maybe play something new that's that's going on, I go to a LAN party. Uh, the online aspect just isn't there for me, nor is the local game aspect. My local game store is for card and board games.
3: Spencer, you make a great point about uh, Half-Life 2. I mean, thinking about what you said about the files unlocking... I've kind of attended several Midnight releases this year, but they've all been like waiting for that like clock to hit midnight on the West Coast so I can start downloading this new game. So I can start downloading like, Pokemon or Animal Crossing or Bioshock or Last of Us. Those were all... Technically midnight releases.
2: Seeing all your friends on Twitter trying to download Pokemon was a big memory for me. And also like if you followed like neogaf threads or something, <laughs> okay. just following the hype can be a lot more fun, I think. Even the midnight releases aren't
0: really midnight on the West Coast. It's nine PM Battlefield oh, four online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus uh that you talking about it, uh Tyler and Spencer mentioning it, most of my games on the PC now are preloaded a week in advance. So everything's ready to go it's just waiting for the actual content unlock so it's it's not really very ceremonious it's just okay i can play it now oh it's kind of late i'm probably going to go to bed at 10 o'clock so you'll get an hour of playtime in as a responsible working adult and then you know <laughs> you, you don't
3: really well okay on average um <laughs> i saw your skyrim hours well,
4: that into everything.
0: yeah that's,
3: that's the one benefit for up. me being in japan is that you your midnight is my five o'clock so <laughs> it's like right when i get home from work and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna play all let's night. roll
2: i thought of one re- thing that would get me to go to a midnight launch these days it would be a really esoteric game like uh jonathan blows the witness or if mother three ever came out
1: <laughs> just to see the people there
3: <laughs> you are so gross I'm, I was going to say,
1: like, that sounds kind of like you would suddenly be in your element, you know? There'd be wine and cheese and everything. Everyone's oh, in Just because
4: I'm in Portland. The I, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing.
1: I would, I would absolutely be there with you because I'm very excited for The Witness. But that's the crowd I imagine will be there. Did everybody hear about how much that Warhol sold for? A hundred million? That's amazing.
3: <laughs> Warhol is way too mainstream for Nick's crowd.
0: It would be fun to in, to go to if a staged midnight release, because it's kind of lampooning it, which, I suppose, and unless Britt wants to add something, which it sounds like I slightly cut her off, um, lampooning kind of segues into the South Park episode, talking about this, uh, this fanboy-slash-fangirl war. But, Britt, did you want to add something?
4: Well, I'm just saying, like, part of everything is that... How many people are actually going to physical locations as opposed to ordering them from Amazon?
0: Are there any numbers for anything like that?
4: Not yet, but I mean, I mean, come on, people are saying on Twitter, like, "Oh, my thing shipped," you know? <laughs> like, maybe that's maybe that's the new midnight release. You know, it's like, "Oh my gosh, it came in the mail."
3: This might just be my social group, but the only people I see tweeting or talking about waiting for their PS3s or PS4s to ship have been people that live outside of the U.S. Everyone I know that's in the U.S. getting a PS4 went to at least one store that they pre-ordered at.
4: Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is maybe the main reason behind Midnight Releases not being a big deal is that we can now get them without the stores themselves.
0: Yeah, which is true. And it's the same reason that any sane person won't go to Black Friday at a store. I did it mm-hmm. once just to see the Madhouse aspect of it and it was disgusting uh and (laughs) so black black monday though or cyber monday i'm sorry um there are different deals like that so people do seem to do it online or like in nick's case in my case which we have both canceled our pre-orders for the the consoles um we pre-ordered it when it was announced and then that's kind of just it we know we're not going to be showing up at the store at GameStop at midnight uh waiting in line for something that in my opinion I feel as if my social circle of gamer friends, you guys included, did not pick up the console right away because it's either one, because perhaps it's not overwhelming enough. Like, we are now at the age, perhaps, or our taste of change enough that just getting the, the product is not enough to justify buying that product. So just having the newest thing right then, there has to be more in it for us, right? Especially with our income concerns. So... These I think watches. you're overcomplicating complicating it, though. No, no, not No, no, no.
4: That, that's the exact opposite of fanboyism and fangirlism, right. though, is actually taking time and saying, can I afford this? Is there enough for me from an objective level? It's not enough just to like Bioshock Infinite. You want to know, hey, when's my DLC coming?
0: Exactly, and that's the reason I made the decision to buy a graphics card for my computer, not because I'm a PC fanboy, but I looked at it as a cost analysis, a, a rational thought of, If I spend $320, that's cheaper than a PS4 or a PlayStation 4, or uh, sorry, an Xbox One. Um, That's cheaper. I don't have to wait for there to be good games coming out, like on an unproven install base. I'll just, I just will sit back and wait, which is unusual for me. I would have normally, at least last generation, which I did, uh, pick up a console on release and just not really care if there's enough games out. So now I'm taking the step back. And just saying, you know what, I can wait. I don't have to have it. I don't need it right now, which I think is where my fanboyism has dissipated. I don't have to have it.
3: But you already touched on it. You already mentioned that you don't have to wait for the games. I mean, you and Nick, you both bought Wii U's last year. And that's because there are games on the Wii U that you can't play on your PC. I think that the problem wasn't that you were doing this cost-benefit analysis in your head. The problem is that there's no Mario 64 for the PS4. No, it's there's not. There's nothing no, on these not platforms that. that is exclusively selling this box. Is like, this is the only place you can play this. No one is that stoked for Knack. <laughs> no one is that stoked <laughs> I, for Killzone.
4: I tried, but then I heard his voice. I'm like, holy shit.
2: For which game?
4: For Knack.
3: Yeah, oh. apparently that game is... Well, we
2: can, <sighs> we can talk about that some other time.
4: I, I I feel burned.
3: None of us are playing it, so it's all just hearsay. It's all just interpreting reviews, right? Yeah, but
4: well, it, I, I watched a, I watched a let's play of it.
0: So if we move that to then how the episode of South Park that aired this week, um, it's a two parter. I don't recall the title of the episode, but it's something. She'll, Brit will
3: research Throne of Games, probably, or some some sort of like Mad Magazine esque uh,
4: Black Friday. Black, Black Friday
3: okay
0: so the Black Friday episode talking about how the boys in South Park and the girls too uh, are
3: were there girls yeah,
0: yeah they didn't was, really talk much I, but uh,
4: they didn't talk uh, <laughs> interesting thing Kenny in drag as a girl so a girl in in that purpose was was the deciding factor and I just I recalled I recalled my marketing self game and <laughs> I just laughed inside.
1: This is really problematic in its own way, oh, but yes. it's also yeah. not the focus so of this the podcast. Prince the, the 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 episode
0: set that up the how did it set it up, Spencer? What was the episode about? Like what how does that touch on this whole fanboy console war thing?
1: Uh so really, I mean, the episode focused on all the kids banding together because Cartman has a plan of how they can be at the front of the line on Black Friday. Their mall on Black Friday does a promotion where the first 30 people inside uh, get 80% (laughs) off on whatever they want. And so by doing that, they'd be able to afford, as kids, the new console. The rift occurs when the Xbox One is mentioned by name, and some of the kids go, Well, that's not what I'm in (laughs) for. I don't want an Xbox One. I want a PS4. And the uh, the commentary kind of begins from there, where the Xbox players are saying, "Well, P- PlayStation people are like that." The PlayStation players are saying, "Oh, well, Xbox people are like that," you know, making gut gut decisions, being very rash, not not thinking things through. And also, there's
3: a there's a point that they all have to agree on the same console so that everyone can play together.
1: That was the big part, and honestly, that is kind of true, and it was definitely true the previous generation with a lot of games where. Uh, I bought a lot of stuff on Xbox simply because that's what my friends were getting it on. But I don't—I don't know that that impacts me now. Like
3: you play everything on PC.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say PC is my go-to, and a lot of my friends, like Nick, was not previously a big-time PC gamer, and he kinda is now. Uh, though it'll be interesting to see if he <laughs> claims not right now.
2: I've always had a gaming PC. Like I've—I've I've made an effort to do that, but. It's true that I used to not buy multi-platform games on PC because I had a lot more friends on Xbox Live and then later on PSN. But lately, most people I play with are primarily PC, probably because of the long duration of these existing consoles. It's
3: less of an issue for me just because multiplayer and competitive games just generally aren't my scene. And so usually deciding factors for me of like where to play my games is just like, what am I most comfortable playing on? What games do I want to play and what kind of experience do I want to have while playing it?
2: And the exclusives matter, too, right? I mean, you're a big Naughty Dog fan and a big Insomniac fan, and a lot of their stuff was on PS3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do we, based on the South Park episode, do we think, um, are we in a post? Um, obviously, we're not, because you can read any message board and see that's not the case. But the episode, to me, did not seem to reflect the culture of pre-order at least my circle of friends were expressing, you can go online and uh, validate any opinion of PS4 sucks or Xbox sucks. But the episode for South Park seemed to be uh, making fun of that midnight release, uh, just excitement with children. But I don't, I don't feel like I've seen that this time around. Do we think we've moved past that? Or is that just like,
1: um, not, it still exists. It doesn't really matter. It's going to happen. Whatever. I think that at least from my perspective, I personally am not impacted by that anymore, if only because my core group is PC gamers. I mean, we'll probably be getting the next-gen consoles, but probably not in any hurry. However, however, out in the wild, uh, this divide is going to continue to exist as long as there is not cross-play between the consoles, and there is no incentive for the manufacturers to feature any type of cross-play. So there will continue to be divided PlayStation, uh, Xbox, Wii, and PC camps, simply because that's more profitable. It forces you into one channel for all of your gaming, uh, rather than being, oh, well, you can just play if you get whichever one is cheapest. I was just going to say, I wonder what the, the tone is like on the average elementary or middle
2: school playground these days. Like... Which is the console kids are really yearning for? Or are they even wanting these consoles that badly? Like, there's a very good chance...
3: I'd be frankly surprised if they did. I mean, the things are $400 and $500, respectively. Like, that's it's a tall They're all playing
2: Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Or they're playing iPhone games. I mean...
4: Well, I mean, part of it is... I mean, part of the reason why I was so disappointed with Knack is that it was one of the few, if not the only game, I saw openly advertised in the new generation that put out a family-friendly vibe. I thought if you could nail that aspect of something that is beautiful and detailed enough that adults will not be totally bored by it, but they can pass off the controller to their eight-year-old and they can have fun with it, then you scored a major niche of consumers. But the, the attempt to create that was just so botched, and it seemed like Sony didn't even really believe in the game.
3: Why do you say that? Is it just is it just his voice, or is it the difficulty? No, or? oh
4: no, no. The the voice traumatized me personally. But <laughs> they didn't. It seemed like they didn't really lean into the marketing at all. Like the first time I saw anything about NAC, I thought there's going to be stuffed animals of that thing in a month before release. But how do you nothing. make a stuffed
3: animal of a robot made of particles? <laughs> I, I, there's a way.
4: I, I know people. I know people on Etsy. That's how. But see, I thought that they really lean into the marketing of that by saying, "Oh, well, you don't want this." scary shooter console. Like, taking the whole... for the whole family vibe and going into a slightly adapted way. This is the first time I've never... I haven't seen anything console-related marketing marketed to children it's all adults it's just,
3: it's cameo syndrome it's, so, it's,
4: it's weird
3: they made a game that they think there might be a market for but they don't they know how the, to market
4: megan it. fox sniper that's all well, i think say. i think
2: it's funny if you look back a few generations to like the thir- the 16-bit era with sonic and mario or the 64-bit era with crash and mario like there used to be a really heavy emphasis on these mascots and uh it used to be a very good way to draw kids in, and then in turn get the parents interested in the consoles as well um we're not seeing that investment anymore. Like The headlining games are like, which game can render Call of Duty's dog at a higher resolution? And- oh, God, is that actually the <laughs> argument? <laughs> uh,
3: Wait, well, do they have fur shading like they had Ugh. in Crash for the Xbox? Ugh. Maybe. That
1: It's still a spin-off of the Quake 3 engine that they're it rendering that
3: horrible. game on, but that you
1: know, is like neither ass. here nor there. There's a good point raised. Anyway... <laughs> Could we go so far as to say that the marketing for this is oh, aging no. with us? No, 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 like, no. That no. kinda seems to be the case. Yes. It continues to be pointed at our generation. It's, it's pointed point where the money
3: goes. But. And it all changed yeah. with Halo. Like Halo was like I think the first like big shooter to, to really sell gangbusters on consoles. So I think that's kind of when the tone of what is selling on these boxes really swayed, it felt like.
4: Well they're marketing to established audiences. They're too Frankly, it feels like the companies are too scared to venture into women or to children or to anybody that isn't guaranteed to give them money, even though there's deep pockets in each one of them.
0: Yeah, Last Generation was more of the casual experiment, which we just talked about on the previous podcast, but they've kind of backed away from that, it seems. And to me, these consoles are homogenized. They're, to me, basically the same thing. They do the same things. They all have the apps they all have a facebook aspect they all have a social <laughs> connection like they do the twitch or uh, whatever your poison is for game streaming they all are doing the same thing um which to me almost seems to uh, i'm i'm going to make a prediction that this generation it won't be the last which of course only fairly recently some doom sayers were Talking about how, oh, this console generation will be the last, and then after that, consoles as an idea won't exist. I don't really believe that, but I believe um, in some of the things you guys had brought up, the, the cross-play aspect, which it sounds like Sony has been on board with of trying to get there to be cross-play between PC at least. They wouldn't mind some Xbox people, whatever, but... Um, it seems less and less that there are, okay, this is what the PlayStation does. The Xbox doesn't do this. They all kind of do the same shit now. And that's why I'm not really excited. Honestly, this will be the last generation. <laughs> In
3: some ways, they actually have kind of given up. I mean, you just had uh, Shuhei Yoshida from Sony come out and say that they need Nintendo because they need that company that is like the gateway, that is like reaching out to the audience that Sony isn't touching for whatever reason.
4: Yeah, which is sad. I mean, I I seriously feel really sad looking at these companies and saying, I have money. Why don't you want my money? Why don't you want my little brother's money? You know, they're so worried about making this. It's like, all you have to do is change your appeal really slightly or have a game like Knack or something like that. What was it? Is neck really what you want though? No. You don't NAC want Mac. Not what I want for me, <laughs> but I want I want Mac for my seven year old brother who it loves video games. He has mastered yeah. every Lego Harry Potter and Lego Star Wars up on every level. That would make him excited for this generation. For me, I want Call of Duty and able to play with a woman. Lego
3: yeah. Marvel's on PS4.
4: Yeah, exactly. There you go.
3: System seller.
4: Well, for some for some families, yes it is. You want dad to be able to play one thing and the son or the daughter or the wife to play something, too. Game consoles are so expensive now, you can't just think about one person in the house doing it. And they tried to address that, but it just ended up being awkward.
3: Unless you're an adult man in his 20s who doesn't have any other expenses. (laughs) Which is the
0: general audience for these things. I, uh, Mm. I think the South Park episode, just to reflect on that a little bit more, is... I don't. I think it was an easy topic for them. And realistically, it was a setup for their own game that's coming out, which they kind of uh, made a jab at. But those costumes all the kids were wearing, those are the same costumes that will be in the Stick of Truth. Uh, they were t- talking about the Sony and Xbox consoles by name compared to before. In previous years, they had made up their own game consoles. I, I kind of think it was a backhanded way to market and advertise their own game, even though it's still satire and it's
1: still South Park. They do whatever they want, but...
3: Well, the stick of truth is like kind of like Lord of the Rings Game of
1: Thrones themed, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I'm so hyped for that game, you guys. It you don't even know. It
4: really good. Will, yeah. It looks so fun.
1: It's been delayed three times now. <laughs>
2: Thanks I don't care. HQ. It's good
4: stuff. I
1: know, and that's what's driving me nuts.
2: <laughs> Dude, Ocarina of Time was delayed like a hundred times, and look how good that yeah, this was. Is, this generation's
0: Ocarina of Time, everyone. It's gonna Jesus Christ. Be calling it right now. So so what's going to make us excited about this generation? Because if we're so uh, blase about this uh, these consoles right now, or we're, we're sticking with our PCs, as it would be for Spencer, Nick, and I, what is it going to take for gamers like us, uh, gamers like Brit, who aren't really represented, to maybe get that itch of fanboy or fangirlism to go, I got to buy that now. Is it one game? Is it one feature? Is it multiple things? What do we want that justifies this purchase?
3: Speaking exclusively for myself, uh, I'm already on board. The thing that's preventing me from getting a PS4 right now is, number one, the Retina iPad mini just came out, so (laughs) I'm probably going to get one of those. Uh, Two, it's not out in Japan yet where I live, so I'm fine waiting until February because The game I want to play on it isn't coming out until March, which is infamous, and what gets me really excited is that it sounds like remote play, which is something they're kind of quietly hyping up now, is actually working. Working better than I think most people expected in that you can use your Vita to remotely play these full PlayStation 4 games on a Wi-Fi network, which is, I don't know, that seems pretty exciting to me because it's not really something you can do anywhere else right now.
2: Except Wii (laughs) U.
3: Not from, like, a long distance. We use within, like, a certain range. Like, you can take your Vita to another place with a Wi-Fi network and play these games.
4: For me, it's going to be which system, which company is going to be better for independent publishers. Because, I mean, with the the set of games that's out now and that is due to come out anytime before March, because March is when good things will happen. It's all going to be independent publishers. I listen to the hype and I want to know which one is easier to develop for, which one is going to make it easy for people to publish games on. Basically, which one is going to get out of their own way?
3: It seems like they've already kind of decided that like it seems pretty clearly it's going to be the PS4, isn't it? Like
4: it, it, it sounds like it. Well, but that's what
2: Sony wants you to think. Yeah, that's marketing. I,
4: I don't know. <laughs> I, Xbox, I, the Xbox division and just the entire Xbox line. I've seen from what I've seen, I've divined that they kind of do whatever they can to survive at the last minute. They will reach out of the water, scream one thing to try to convince someone to throw them a lifesaver.
2: Yeah, like, oh shit, oh shit, here's Shadow Complex, please come back to us.
4: Oh, 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 online optional!
0: (laughs) Just to be fair, which this doesn't come from a place of fanboyism, but to be fair... There is the idea at Xbox program that they've really been championing. Who knows when that's going to launch? But the idea behind that is anybody can be an de- independent developer with the Xbox One console they purchased from the store. It's a program that, uh, again, it hasn't happened. But
4: <laughs> um, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah.
0: So,
3: guys, guys, where else can you play Octodad? Well, XNA did that.
4: <laughs> where
3: else can you play it? PC. Am I right, PC. Spencer?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to to keep lacing my talk with references. On the PC, we just finished saying hello. What? <laughs> so basically, my platform is not going anywhere. It has not gone anywhere since I started, uh, you know, in like 98. So, or, well, actually, before then, that's just when I built my first one. So,
4: whatevs. <laughs> oh, I got humble brag, humble brag.
1: Do you consider
0: the PC to be one long generation?
1: To a certain extent. I am having trouble with some backwards compatibility, but then that's why I have a Windows 98 machine to fix. So,
3: And an old uh, iMac, right? A G4 Cube? And the
1: G G4 Cube. And an original iMac. Which
0: runs Oregon Trail fantastically. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the PC is the only console this generation that's 100%
2: backwards compatible.
4: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> if you have Win 98 and Win 7. <laughs> then you're good to go.
4: I, I'm rolling my eyes for my Mac right now.
2: Uh, I'll just say that for me, what it would take is what it always takes, which is either a unique single-player experience that couldn't have meant anywhere else, so like the PS3 that was Flower, with the Wii, it was Wii Sports, really, honestly. Um, and with 3DS, it would be something like Animal Crossing or Super Mario 3D Land. So something that really both utilizes the hardware and delivers an experience that either is distinctly meaningful, either in a solo setting or in a group setting.
3: Okay.
0: That's what we
2: all want.
3: Well, I regret that Doug couldn't make this uh, podcast. I know I've talked a lot. I'm sorry, guys, but Doug uh, bought a Dreamcast on day one, and oh, he traded in wow. his PlayStation for it. Oh, uh, yeah, he traded oh, his yeah, he traded his PS1, <laughs> and I told him you are making a bad call. No, no, this no, is a dumb decision. <laughs> and literally 18 yeah. months later, I bought a Dreamcast for $50 <laughs> and like five games for $10 uh, a piece. Oh and uh, I remember I, that. I still rub his nose in it all the time. But
4: I'm that was, sure you that do. Was
3: fan, <laughs> that was Fanboys and Men's Worst because there was no reason at that point in time for me to say that a PlayStation Two will be better. Because there were no games they were showing off for it that proved that. But I mean, it was all it that was Fanboys and It's Worst at that point in time. Because the Dreamcast had a great launch, but it never came out of the shadow of the Playstation Two.
4: And nobody wants my money. No. They don't want it. So <laughs> If I hear of any bankruptcies in a gaming company, like in the next five years, part of a very small dark part of me is just going to be laughing. I'll take your money. Yeah, good. Make something. <laughs> Make something I'll like. I'll give you money.
3: I have a G four
1: cube. You might be interested in. <laughs> 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 well, well, everybody,
0: it sounds like the consensus is we're all too uh, grizzled and skeptical to really buy into it anymore. So,
3: not me. Yeah,
0: except for Tyler, he will be flying that flag Whee! well thank you everybody I'm 20, for joining I'm
4: 23. I don't know what you guys-
0: <laughs> yeah you're still too young once you get to 27 no. you know, we'll just
4: it's just over again they don't want my money that's so true it's it's their loss it's their loss man nobody's
1: advertised the right neural jack for me she'll say at the age of 27
0: <laughs> sony or microsoft uh, or nintendo you're welcome to send direct inquiries for brit's money to uh,
3: <laughs> what if they made a pink dualshock 4
4: no, because all that, no. That
2: must be the missing link. <laughs> there needs to be Susan G.
0: Coman branding on it.
4: Give me a playable Call of Duty female commander that is not a sniper or a medic. Well, hold
0: on. There are female uh,
3: soldiers in yeah, the you new can Call of Duty. Females. In no,
4: no, no, learning. no. Not a DIY one. I want a. I want a character that you can either play as or interact as.
3: Now you're asking for too much.
0: Are there female support dogs as well? Sounds like Gears of War got it right then.
4: I maybe they did. Every female <laughs> gamer I know loves Gears of War. Like it's an infinite tie. It's not even a contest. Like they love Gears of War way more. It's so fascinating.
3: Are you sure it's not because they like dumb?
4: I'm just
1: bewildered by the implication that you play Call of Duty single player. But that's a topic <laughs> for no, another it's, time. it's not
4: that hard. It's really not that hard to appeal <clears> to <throat> female gamers. Just give them someone where that doesn't have an ass shot.
0: That's impossible. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> And as a final word this evening, thank you everybody for joining the podcast. Uh, you can find us online at siliconsasquatch.com, of course. And something that we, we've done recently, we have our Twitter handles on our about page. So, you know, if you like our random ramblings and you are like Spencer, uh, who made two Twitter accounts because he's too scared to share his uh, <laughs> main one, then you can check us out there. Uh, thank you everybody for listening.
1: The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of siliconsasquatch.com. Our panelists for this episode were Britt McGuinness, Nick Cummings, Tyler Martin, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff. The episode was produced by Spencer Tordoff, and our remaining editorial staff member is Doug Bonham. If you'd like to hear more of our work, please check it out at siliconsasquatch.com.